everyone, and welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and I'm on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro. And our guest today is Joe Pizapia. You can find him on Twitter at JoePizapia17. And he's the author of the number one selling fantasy Black Book series and host of the Black Book Pod on Fantrax. Joe, how's it going? Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, man. Always fun to talk baseball. And uh, we certainly had a lot to talk about, man. We're right in the thick of it. This is like the hot draft season. So uh, we're just like starting to get into some of the big uh, big industry drafts, which had labor a couple weeks ago. That was fun. And yeah. uh, we're moving closer and closer to some of those home leagues now. Yep, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, you know everyone's starting to get excited about fantasy football when there's just this buzz on your Twitter, all these people starting to ask you questions about their leagues and their keepers and everything like that. And it's just fun. I'm excited for fantasy drafts to take place. And what we're going to do today, there's really no news to talk about again. I mean, uh, Marwin Gonzalez signed with the Twins. That's not really big news. So we're just going to get right into it, Joe. Both of us like to talk quite a bit, so we're going to have trouble keeping it under the time I can't help anyway. it, Bobby. I'm Italian. It's I'm, just, I'm the same it's, way, man. <laughs> it's in my DNA. You know, it's, it's probably why I'm doing this for a living. <laughs> so our plan today is we're going to count down our top six ADP values um, just six all the way down to one, and we're going to take turns giving them. And then at the end of that, we're going to give four things that we're keeping an eye on during spring training. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with one player that you think is a great ADP value? All right. Now, so we're going like six to one. We're building the anticipation from like the biggest. Oh, yeah. All right. So in other words, like I should do the the highest uh, ADP last or first? The one that you're the least passionate about. However you want to do it. It's up All to right. you, man. You're the I, know, I want to make sure we're doing it right. I want to build <laughs> the drama here, Bobby. That's what I want to do. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go I'll go start off at the top. And I'll start off in the earlier ADPs because, to me, I think it's Whit Merrifield. And I look awesome. at his number three overall. And I say to myself, he's basically 85-90% of Trey Turner. And I love that you can still get your Nolan Arenado, your big-time power guy, your, your Ronald Acuna, or somebody like that around that same point in the draft. And then you can get Whitmerfield in the second or third round, depending on how many teams you have in there. And, you know, you look at the two seasons these guys have had the last couple of years, and I understand that Trey Turner probably going to steal more bases. I understand there's a logic out there that says, well, Trey Turner might hit more home runs. But Willie, and especially with Bryce Harper not in that lineup anymore, Bobby, I look at that situation and I say to myself, I go back to a couple years ago, the Boston Red Sox in the year after David Ortiz, but before J.D. Martinez got there. And they missed that presence in the order. It there was a trickle down effect that was massive. And as Turner's going to hit higher this year, though, right? Well, he's supposed to, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking overall from that power standpoint, and just from the the sake of hey, Whit Merrifield has proven now two years in a row he is this guy. They are yeah. basically averaging out the same season. Whit Merrifield is you know, luckily he had a little bit more games because Turner had that injury a couple years ago, but still. You know, I'm talking about, especially in auctions, too, where you're looking at maybe saving a couple bucks here and there. I think what Merrifield is that guy where it's basically the same profile, but a little less cost. You know, Turner's going to have more steals if he stays healthy. Batting average goes to Whit Merrifield. RBIs, about the same. Power, about the same. Turner might have a slight advantage. And then runs, I would give Turner because of the better lineup, maybe an extra 10 runs. However, That's the only difference. Keep in mind ADP. this, too. They just signed him to that contract extension, right? And yeah. that makes Whitten Merrifield a very, very valuable little piece to a team that wants to add somebody for a couple years because the Kansas City Royals aren't going anywhere. Let's be honest, everybody. The Royals are not going anywhere this year. So yeah. what's their best asset right now? Whit Merrifield, because he's locked up in a very, very team-friendly deal. He could bring back a, a very good prospect or a nice grouping of prospects. So I don't know if I even expect him to finish the season there with Kansas City. Good point. They're going to steal so many bases in Kansas City with him, Mondesi, Billy oh, gosh, Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to be a catcher that day is going to be. I mean, could you imagine like it's an August day <laughs> in Kansas City? It's 108 degrees. You're trying to throw these guys out. It's going to be a long afternoon. I don't know, man. Playing playing baseball for a living sounds really fun. I mean, I, no, I I'm of course you. have the best job in the world besides that, but playing baseball sounds pretty awesome, even in hot August. Yeah. Well, I remember I, I used to catch a lot, so I remember you know, that that face mask sticks to your face and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, forgot good about times. catching. Oh, yeah. Oh man, good times. <laughs> <laughs> so, with Merrifield right now is uh, his ADP is thirty three. How high would you take him, Joe? I would go higher than that. Uh, look at it right now, where he is at the thirty three spot. I think you can make a case for him as high as twenty nine. I mean, you'll even look at Charlie Blackman, who's a wonderful player still, but depending on. You know, I always go back to this. This is Black Book 101, right? You know, what what 
is your league set up like? If there's five active outfielders, okay, maybe I want Blackman or Benatendi, but I'll tell you what, if it's not, then I think you can make a case right away for Whit Merrifield and, and maybe even over those guys. If you like some of the depth at outfield and taking shots later on and some other guys like Conforto and stuff like that, there's, there's definitely some outfielders in that middle group this year in that tier two-ish to three that I think have a, a, a very, very strong base to work off of. So I think you can go as high as that, you know, 25, 26 range. Yeah, I've got him. I've got him higher than you, actually, if you can believe it. I I'm do. A big believer. I yeah, love it. Bi- Let's do everyone it, Everyone I've talked to, Joe, is a big believer in Whit Merrifield. I don't understand why he's being drafted so low. I'll tell you um, why. Kansas City bias. They're biased because so. of the team. And you know what's funny? That team didn't get any better or worse the last two years. They've been the same team, so what? And he's been the same player. Bingo. I'd rather have him than Andrew Benintendi. Chris Bryant, Clayton Kershaw, Luis Severino. These are guys all being drafted ahead of him. Freddie Freeman. And then I put him right there with uh, in the Charlie Blackman, uh, Paul Goldschmidt area. So, yeah, I would take him around 24. Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. I, I, I haven't, you know, I was on the turn in labor. I had the one pick. I was hoping he'd make it back to me, and Tim McLeod sniped me right there, right before it made it back to me. It was so perfect. It was right there for the taking, so I ended up taking Bryant instead, which is not terrible. Yeah, that's, but. that's, not, that's not a big drop-off, but I bet there were a lot of groans because everyone I know loves Whit Merrifield this year, at least in the expert community. Now, here's my number six guy, Joe, and this is someone that I haven't talked about at all. Not once this preseason have we mentioned his name. And I really am not very excited about him, but just where he's going. <laughs> His ADP is 136. He's significantly better than that. Another speed guy. Ender Enciarte. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's a nice... Pl- you know, I look at Enciarte as one of these nice complimentary players. You know he's going to score runs. It's it's a good lineup. You know the stolen bases are going to be there. He's got a little pop. I, I, I like those kind of guys. I always feel like sometimes everybody's trying too hard in drafts. You know, they're trying to get the reaction in the room or prove that they're the smartest or I'm going to be first on this guy this year. Yeah, try really, to win sometimes... their league in uh, at, the, at the draft and uh, yeah, just in but... terms of what everyone thinks about you. Yeah. But don't you think, Bobby, sometimes it's those non-sexy guys that have just been around for a while that you know you can count on? Yes. Those are the guys that help you win leagues. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I will never feel sexy drafting Ender Inciarte, but you know what? If he's there for me in the, what is it, 12th round? Are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to take him. I mean, I'm looking at some of the outfielders in this range being drafted right now. and We've got Ian Desmond is going there. Steven Piscotty, he's got some upside. Aloy Jimenez might not be up until May. Nomar Mazzara just hasn't done it yet. Um, David Peralta is kind of the same as him. Aaron Hicks, same kind of deal. They're, they're going a little bit ahead of him, but... Yeah, that's a good range for Ender and Tiarte. It is. I would argue sometimes some of those names, it depends on your roster construction, right? Okay. You know, if you if you need more power and you still want some stolen bases, I can understand the Desmond pick. Um, and, and some of those other guys, it depends on what you're looking like if it's a Roto League. I But I, I, I definitely think Enciarte is one of those guys that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And I, I agree. He's a nice complimentary piece that you can count on. And I think that's an underrated skill. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm looking at him right now. The his, same thing. Yeah. He's reliable. I'm looking at his projections right now. You're going to get 80 runs, 25 stolen bases. He's going to bat 280. It's hard to get batting average at that range in the draft. And yeah, he's not going to help a ton with power, maybe 10, 15 homers, 50, 60 RBIs. It's a good value. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to your number five here, Joe. All right. Well, my number five is a pitcher who thank the gods of baseball. Got the hell out of Texas last year. And when he did, my goodness, it was pretty good back in the National League for the Cubs. He pitched to a 236 ERA last year. And, uh, I mean, basically looked like his old self. And that's Cole Hamels. Uh, I'll say what. was up. Yeah. Oh, baby. Give me all the Cole Hamels shares I could possibly get. I was yelling and screaming at Rudy Gamble, who took him from me in labor, and I was all set <laughs> up there. And yesterday I did Jeff Erickson's, Erickson's Rotowire show, and he said, well, don't worry, he wasn't making it past me when it came back yeah. to him. And I said, good, <laughs> that makes me feel better. But here's another one, too. We sometimes undervalue veterans. I understand Hamels will be 35 this year, so what? Uh, if you go back and look at the stats since he went to Texas, that ERA in that ballpark in Arlington was absolutely awful. We're talking pushing right. six, if memory serves. Whew. So. Just take that out. Take out take out the six ERA of him pitching in Texas for the last couple of years and just look at the road. And the road is basically still Cole Hamels. And now you're giving him a team that, you know, is is set up here to win, a team that's a good defensive team, a team that has good offensive power. We all know that. And again, he doesn't have to lead the rotation, which I love too. He's got Lester in there. He's he's got hopefully if if you Darvish comes back, you got Kyle Hendricks in that rotation. So there's great he's not defense the guy. too, right? 
Yeah, I mean, he's not the guy. And I, I love this ADP. We're talking at 152 for Hamels. I mean, give that to me all day as my number three or... Gosh, if I could even get him as my four starter, I absolutely love it. I mean, I, he's going the same spot as Rick Porcello, and I think that's insane. I'll take Hamels over him every <laughs> That is day. so stupid. Two yeah, picks away. Exactly right. Two picks away, Bobby. Cole Hamels, since he turned 30 years old, has been really good. 3.43 ERA, a strikeout per inning. Um, he's just still he's still Cole Hamels. Like he's not going to compete for a Cy Young, but he was never really that guy. He's still a borderline All Star. They've got the great defense behind him. I agree. I've been getting a lot of shares of Cole Hamels, and it's the same kind of thing as Inciarte. It doesn't get me really excited, but with where he's going in drafts, of course I'm going to take him 152 right now. Yeah, I mean, it may, I'm looking at him, and I think the next guy up on this list is like that Chris Archer range of guys. Yeah, and I, don't I wouldn't know, mind Archer so much. It's just the Dallas Keuchel, Rick Porcello, Eduardo Rodriguez, Kyle Freeland. Give me a break. I think he's a steal. I think yeah. he's a steal. He's durable. Another thing that we just talked about with NCRT, guys are going to go out there and play. And especially with pitchers, that's super valuable. Oh, in, in this day and age, a guy who's going to you know go six, seven innings every time out, basically. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. And there's some people that say, well, I'm not buying. He was too good. What's a, What does that mean? He's too good. I mean, it's not <laughs> like the guy doesn't have track record of being a good pitcher, for God's sakes. I think he got exactly what he needed to get out of that ballpark and, more importantly, back to the National League. And at this stage in his career, I love this move and all the Hamill shares I could possibly get. You know, I think his floor is about where his ADP is going, and that is super rare to find. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we're going to have to disagree eventually, Joe. Uh, all yesterday right, well, on the show, I had uh, Mike Podhorzer on there. And I had my number three pitcher, and he had him down at number 21. Well, it's it like easy the, to disagree with Pod. <laughs> he's got some big opinions, and I do as well. It was uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with him. But I don't think it's going to happen on this one, because I, well, I don't we'll understand see. how anyone would disagree with Walker Buehler being a steal. He was so good. He was one of the best five pitchers in baseball in the second half. Yeah, look, I, that, that postseason start, you know, the postseason performance is definitely going to inflate that value a little bit but i love him i remember seeing a breakdown on him bobby last year on mlb network that pedro martinez did and you know when pedro martinez is excited about a pitcher you should be excited about a pitcher yeah i just kind of you know there's Pedro's not a lot the of best, people well there's not a lot of people that know that much about pitching you know guys like smoltz guys like pedro when they break down a guy and they're telling you something about a pitcher you should listen because those guys know what they're talking about and pedro was just absolutely in love with him now i'm curious bobby when you get bueller this year are you in a spot where you'd like to back that up right away just because of the the volume potentially being a little less in redraft leagues on Walker Bueller, or are you really confident he could be that true one? Well, I mean, he was absolutely a workhorse in the second half. I'm not sure if he's going to get 200 innings, but you know what? At this point, with guys going around him, Noah Syndergaard, Clayton Kershaw, James Paxton, Steven Strasburg, all those guys are combined to average for like 150 innings per year. Right. So I think Walker Buehler is going to get more than that. And I think he's a better pitcher than all those guys at this stage in their career. Maybe not Noah Syndergaard, but he's neck and neck with him. I think Walker Buehler is a stud right away. And with that said, I mean, I'm going for these inning concerns, but the ratios are going to be awesome. Guys all throughout my draft, I'm going to have a lot of them. So it doesn't matter if Walker Buehler, you know, fails, maybe Freddie Peralta or maybe Alex Reyes or Josh James will become that ace. I'm going to have eight of those guys. I expect to get four aces out of it. Yeah, I think that's a good approach. I think Walker Buehler, you'd be smart to make sure you're getting some guys like Hamels in that same rotation. I'm just putting that out there for folks where you get guys that, you know, can get out there and get some innings and things like that, too. Uh, but I, I can't argue with I'm I'm with you. I, I love Walker Bueller and in keeper leagues, forget it. I'm willing to grossly overpay for him. I think he's the real deal. And this year, the argument of him or Kershaw, I think it's a very clear one. I, I mean, Kershaw makes 25 starts every year for the last three years. It's That's the average, basically. So if that's the average I'm getting out of Kershaw, you could take the younger guy that's healthy or you could take the older guy with the injury concern. Cindergard, you make a good point. That could be the guy that outperforms him because I think that potential's in there. He looks like a beast. Did you see the picture of him on Instagram yesterday? Yes, of, uh, it's crazy, isn't it? I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. God, I love that guy. <laughs> Who's cooler than Thor? Absolutely love that guy. I don't know. I'm, I, was try, I was trying to think. and I, No, you had to think. You can't think of one. <laughs> the, the first guy I thought of, and this was a big mistake, was Trevor Bauer just because he has such a personality. And I was like, no, no not him. Oh, my God. You've heard the Trevor Bauer rap album, right? Or the song No, I haven't. Like, He's wait, such a well, lunatic, No, man. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bobby, you haven't heard this yet? No, I don't want to either. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. From the, from the gutter to the grail, Trevor Bauer, a couple years ago, I played in one of my serious shows a couple years ago when I was on SiriusXM still hosting. It is one of the funniest things. I'm going to send it to you right after this, and you're going to thank me because it's going to make your day. Oh, Every boy. time you're feeling blue, 
you just pop that on and realize that you know there's still joy in life. Is it like the, the Michael Scott um, tots for it's, what's it called? It's like super yeah, yeah. super it's, awkward. It's it makes that look comfortable. Oh no. Oh yeah, See, I can't handle that stuff. I'll watch it for you because you're asking me. But well, you don't have to watch. Luckily, you don't have to watch it. It's just I. I don't think there's a video. But <laughs> okay. Should be. Maybe maybe I should reenact it. And I should make a video. I think it's just the song, but it's basically how the Indians haven't been have been disrespected and how they're coming for the championship. And it is it is everything you want it to be and more. <laughs> I'm looking at Walker Buehler's second half here. You remember when uh, Dwight Gooden was, what was he, 19 years old? And yes, posted I do. One of the I'm best seasons fan. of all time. Yeah. Oh, man. Walker Buehler was just as good in the second half. Better yeah. ERA. OPS against was uh, was just a little bit worse. K's per nine, 10.4. He's one of the best pitchers in the majors. Yeah. I, look, we're in lockstep here again. Walker Bueller's another guy where I think that you, if you miss out on that top tier of guys, you miss out on that Verlander grouping there, the, the Max Scherzer DeGrom group. I feel very good about Walker Bueller at the top. I do want to either back that up right away, or if I can't, I want to make sure that I'm getting some proven commodities. I don't want to fill a rotation full of guys that I'm hoping pitch well because yeah. I've got that puts a little too much pressure I think in, a, in at least a 2019 redraft. Well, you can just go get Ryu and Stripling and Maeda and if Bueller fails, you've got one I of those guys who are studs. I'm glad you said Stripling because I could tell everybody and I own Stripling everywhere last year. I told everybody, look, what makes you think that Stripling's not going to get 20 something starts in this rotation when you see all these guys who miss time all the time? I mean, for for the cost of Stripling, you might as well throw him on the bench, especially if you own one or two Dodgers already in your rotation. It just makes sense. Like an insurance policy. Do you think that he's not in the rotation right now? I don't know. <laughs> I, it's one of those three is going to miss out unless I think somebody he gets should hurt. should be in the rotation. Yeah. Everybody do that. I, but I think that they're going to give the opportunity to the veterans first. I do think they will be a shorter leash, though. If the veterans get hurt, I don't know if they'll just automatically put them back in anymore. I think they might be past that here. I think there's a little bit, I don't want to say desperation, but there's a little bit of pressing, I think, on the Dodgers two years getting close and not coming up uh, with a W in there in the World Series. You know what's absolutely incredible about Stripling? I mean, he kind of reminds me of uh, of Mike Clevenger last year where everyone's kind of overlooking him. You know, he's yeah. in this great rotation. He's like their number four, number five. But he was extremely good. If you sort XFIP by guys with at least 100 innings, it's Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, Patrick Corbin. Ross Stripling is number four. Wow. That's a great stat. <laughs> I, you know, it's it, the funny thing about Stripling, too, it wasn't that he stopped being good. He just hit a wall. He hit a wall and he just couldn't do it anymore. It was just he was at his max in terms of, I think, his endurance level. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a failure on him. That's a failure on the organization, really, that they, you know, had to put Maxim out to that extent. But I mean, I look at Stripling as a guy that he looks healthy. Nothing seems to be wrong. It was a matter of he just kind of got tired down yeah. the stretch there. So I give me all the free Stripling shares I could possibly get. Kind of like Lance McCullers at the uh, All-Star break two years ago where he was just an absolute stud. I love the Clevenger that one. I think that's a really great um, you know, uh, what, uh, estimation there that they those guys are kind of lockstep. I just wish he had that lock in rotation spot. That'd Agreed. be great. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to your number four, and then I've got another Dodgers pitcher. All right, my number four is there's going to be some Reds on this list. I'm just warning everybody. <laughs> I love the Reds this year. I can't get enough of them. Is uh, Luis Castillo, a guy All who right. in the second half last year was really good. He's going at 126, and I understand there's a little bit of risk here. I get that, but. I'm trying to make everybody, and I, I wrote a piece uh, that's coming out soon to uh, about this, where I'm basically comparing him to the same approach or basically the same timeline of Luis, Sever or, uh, Luis Severino in New York. Now, I know Severino's a little bit younger than him but and a couple of years into it, but everybody forgets a couple years ago, Severino had this amazing run, right? In the short run, he looked so good, and everybody overrated him the next year, and what happened? He pitched to a 7 ERA, got sent down to AAA, and was a hot mess. And then everybody was like, nope, don't want to touch him. Well, Cincinnati didn't have to send down Castillo last year. They just let him figure it out. And I think the fact that they just let him figure it out on the big-time Major League Baseball level, it kind of gives his, his value in 2019 a little bit of a hit because people saw some of the bad. And I think that's unfortunate. And it wasn't like they went down to AAA and they came back and it was all roses. He really worked through it. And if you look at the end of Luis Castillo's 2018 season, it's very good. You look at the strikeouts, you look at the ratios, you look at the ERA, everything's trending in the right direction. Outside of two bad starts, I want to say in August, his numbers would have been even better. I think two times he gave up five earned runs, one was against Colorado, so whatever. But I mean, you, you look at the rest of it, and it is 
outstanding and you say there's an opportunity for a guy to move up from maybe you're drafting him as a three or a four, he could have many, many days where he shows you number one type starts. This is the first one where we disagree a little bit. Excellent. And, uh, Let's do it. You know, it's I'm not like going to fight you over it. It's just, it's a little bit nitpicking because we have to disagree about something. Now, let me ask you this, okay? Mad Bum is going 71st in the draft. Luis Castillo going 126th. That's 55 spots back. I'd rather have Castillo. How about you? I'm high on Bumgarner, but I would rather have Castillo at that 80 yeah. sure. Fulty knew it's 79. A lot of people don't like Bumgarner this year. I'm one of these guys that's saying, look, money's on the line. Name me a better money pitcher besides maybe Verlander than than Madison Bumgarner's career. I think the guy figures it out this year for the money. He just hasn't been the same since that ATV injury. We'll see. I mean, I guess he's still got the upside, but I think Castillo has more upside as well. Uh, Fulty knew it's 79. Herman Marquez, 97. I'd rather have Castillo than all those guys. But when I'm looking at Castillo, uh, it concerns me that he pitches in the Great American Launchpad. 28 homers last year in 170 innings. Um, Fun fact, Castillo's home ERA has been better than his road ERA in his career. No, are you serious? Serious. I oh, did the re- I told man. you I got a piece All coming right. out on the athletic about it. Well, here's my thing. If Look I'm taking me. <laughs> if I'm taking an upside pitcher here, um, I think I like Robbie Ray a little bit better, and he's going right around the same range. That's the only only thing I can say bad about Castillo. And, so I'm and not getting fair. many shares of him because of that. And and that's fair, and I think there will be some people who do like a guy like Robbie Ray more, who let's not forget his split stats are drastic as well. So you gotta watch that in head to head. But uh, when I look at Castillo and I look at the fact that his home ERA in his career has been better than the road, I look at the rest of this team that Cincinnati's built offensively. I think that they Cincinnati might be one of these teams that might pound people into submission because they've got a that is a deep lineup. And I got more guys on my list. Is there their from, lineup better than the Padres? Because uh, it's is. good. I think it is. Yeah, I think, I think so, too. San Diego fans I mean, are going to come after you. They're really passionate about their come team after and good me. for them. It's way better than the Padres. I mean, it's not even. A I think it's yeah. I think it's better, man. I mean, and the Padres on, have the worst you got, rotation in baseball. They have the, forget the Padres, okay? This, just because Manny Machado went there doesn't make them a contender. I don't want to hear anybody say that about anything. I'm so but, glad to hear you say that, man, because I got well, so at, much crap for saying that. You know, oh, they should have just saved their money until their window was open to compete. I don't. That I don't mind. I I'm all for buying into a guy that you're gonna build around, and that we all know that that system is outstanding. So oh, that they're is gonna a, be awesome in three so years. In, and they, and they bought a young player. He's still very young. So in his prime years, you're hoping his prime years are going to coincide with the development of all these guys you got coming. And if so, you hope so. That's great. And you don't need everybody to hit. You need a couple guys to hit. All right. Who's your next one? My next guy, I said it's a Dodgers pitcher, and it is for the third straight year. Rich Hill, I'm going to soak up his 120 great innings. Right now, his <laughs> ECR, expert consensus rankings, all the way up at 147. ADP all the way down at 180. Um, that is telling you that the experts in the industry like him a lot more than the general public. Hopefully you guys take note on that one for the third straight year. When he pitches, he's going to be awesome, Joe. But, you know, kind of like Walker Buehler, we don't really know how many innings he's going to get. All right, we're going to disagree on this one, too. And right. You're absolutely right in the thought process. And I think at 180, I mean, it's not going to kill you, right? <laughs> it's yeah, not going yeah. to hurt you. I think it comes down to formats. I happen to play like a lot of head-to-head points leagues. So Ooh, for okay. me, yeah, I, those, you cannot draft Rich Hill in no. the points. League. So I just want to warn people who play that you can't do that because every week you're going to be wondering whether or not this guy's going to go. And then you are going to put him out there and then he's going to leave his start early and you're going to be balder than I am by the time you're done with it. And you <laughs> don't want to do that. But I can understand that. I know the industry is in love with Nick Pavetta, who's at 185. How do you feel about Pavetta or Hill? I'm fine with Pavetta, but I'd rather have Rich Hill. That's fair. I think Hill's a better pitcher, but I... It's that constant having to manage him is frustrating. I mean, it sure. is, it's bad. You know, it's, it's, I mean, if you've got three bench spots, Rich Hill might not be the best idea. You know, I, we go back to roster construction, right, Bobby? If you have a, a rotation full of guys that you can count on that, you know, are 180 to 200 inning guys and are durable, then yeah, you could take a flyer. If you've got a bunch of yeah. young kids leading your rotation who you're worried about, or, you know, the top of your rotation is, uh, I don't know. Syndergaard, and then you're worried about the number two guy who has upside, but you're not sure. Then you know you can't you can't build rotations on hopes and dreams and wishes. <laughs> you got to build them on innings and performance. Again, I'm going to go back to the XFIP really quick. You talked about how uh, how good Cole Hamels was in the second half, and he was really good. Rich Hill had a better XFIP than him by quite a bit. In fact, Rich Hill was number 14 in baseball ahead of Clayton Kershaw, ahead of Zach Grinky, ahead of Noah Syndergaard, Jameson Tyon, who was awesome in the second half. Rich Hill was dominant again. 
Do you think he would be better served as a reliever at this point in his career? No, because I mean, okay. if, if he's a reliever, I think he's getting 60 innings and maybe his ratios are a little bit better. Um, but right as it is now, he's going to get 120 again, probably. Well, I only say that because of the way the bullpens are starting to evolve and you yeah. got these guys who go one and a half innings and I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's better or worse that he gets up and throw, he, he warms up more often pitches in more games but has less innings or is it better every fifth day to just go out there and light a candle in church if you could get him a hundred innings out of the bullpen i would think it would be worth it and i think you could figure out a way to do it dave roberts could yeah well i mean get stripling in the rotation we're just yeah. trying to get ross stripling <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's the silent subconsciousness of this episode right here all right i've got two hitters coming up and then my number one pitcher which i'm super pumped about who do you have at number three uh at number three here i i've got uh yasiel puig because uh, I'm looking at him at 92, I'm looking at him in Cincinnati, and I'm looking at him as a guy who's not fighting for a bats anymore. They got Puig to play every day. There's no doubt for me that that guy's going to play every day, and I think it's a great opportunity. Steals bases, hits for power. Um, I've been a guy who traditionally was always very sour on Puig because of the ADP and people's expectations I thought were way off. And I feel like now it's the opposite. I feel like the expectations are so low, and he's going around almost 100 overall, and I'm looking at some of the bats around there, too. And it's, you know, guys like Justin Upton, uh, you know, a couple spots ahead of him. Yasiel Puig is there. And Michael Conforto is kind of that grouping of outfielders around there. And I like Conforto a whole lot. I think head-to-head, Upton's one of these guys that drives you crazy. And I think Puig might be the nice middle ground. And that's why he's in between. And I'm very high on him with that lineup protection, too. Better ballpark, more at-bats, more consistent playing time. And I think... Sometimes the change of scenery, Bobby, I find to be overrated. I think Puig is a guy that could definitely deal with the change of scenery. Sure. And Cincinnati's kind of a chill place compared to Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, not a whole lot to get in trouble there in Cincinnati. Yeah. LA is a lot of things you can get in trouble with. Eh, Cincinnati, I don't know. Puig's another one of these guys, like I was mentioning with Hill, that the expert community is significantly higher on him. They've got him all the way up at number 63, right around Patrick Corbin, Eddie Rosario, Nelson Cruz, Alberto Mondesi, um, and yet... He's going at pick 92. That is significantly lower than anyone else in that range. Yeah, it is. And I think that the upside and the potential is there. And if you fail to get one of those very top outfielders who does a little bit of everything, I think Puig is that guy. And I yeah. think batting average wise, as long as he's in that 260s range or, you know, if he our gets consensus projections have at 277. He's a good batting average guy. I, I think he's better than some other people do, too. Yeah, I think he gets frustrated getting in and out of the lineup. I, I think that there was a lot of frustrating things about L.A.'s situation for him. And I really think this is kind of like releasing the beast a little bit. I think this is a great scenario for him. I love Tommy Pham. I've always loved Tommy Pham, but he's got some injury concerns. What's really the difference between P- Puig and Pham? I think the only difference is Puig has more power. That's it. Yeah, probably at this point. Yeah, they're both going to steal 15 bags. They're both going to hit 275. And we all know how Tommy Pham feels about playing in Tampa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He about is not that. happy about He was really good. At first, I wasn't sure if you were talking like he loves it because his OPS was like 1050 oh, after he got oh, traded he loves there. But playing there, but playing there yeah. <laughs> from a from a real baseball standpoint he did, that that quote he had about you know the fans ripping everybody i was like that's not going to get you a lot of uh, people looking for autographs from uh spring training and time. then arbitration was really messy too where they basically mm. just shredded him and said he couldn't stay healthy and everything yeah that puig's uh, not super happy yeah definitely i think puig is one of these guys that i think is going to be a big contributor this year and unfortunately if he is next year he'll be overrated again Right, my next guy, same kind of thing. ECR has him at 95. He's being drafted all the way back at 120. It's Robinson Cano, second baseman for the New York Mets. Love it. He's just consistent, man. I, again, like, I don't love drafting these steroid guys, but you know what? If you can give me someone who's going to bat 295 in the 10th round and he's going to hit 25 homers, yeah, I'll take him. He qualifies at second, too. Are you kidding me? I absolutely love Cano there. I, I can't get enough Cano there, and people are disregarding him because of the suspension. Meanwhile, he's going to a better ballpark because since they moved those fences in a right field in City Field, that is a much better ballpark for a guy like Cano's swing than it was in Seattle. Much better. Infinitely better. And when Cano came back in those 80 games, Bobby, he was Robinson Cano. He was the same Robinson Cano basically we've seen his whole career. I didn't see any sort of regression. I didn't see even the slightest sense of Not concern whatsoever. Who so, cares if he's 36, 38? We've seen him with Nelson Cruz. Who cares if Cruz. he took PED? If he's good, good, he's good. Good. Take him. Don't get caught. 
Just don't get caught next time. That's all I want. I, I miss those days where everybody was hitting 35 bombs. That was a fun time to be playing fantasy baseball. Yeah. Prior to last year's, uh, what was it, 80-game suspension? Yeah. He played every single day. Five games missed in 2013. Seven in the next season. Six. One. Twelve. And then last year, he only missed two games. I'm sorry, he missed one game in that time. He batted 303. He extrapolated out to a full season. 20 homers. 100 RBIs. 88 runs. This guy's still really good. And it's a fair extrapolation. You're not extrapolating some young kid who hasn't adjusted to the league. That's an extrapolation of a proven entity, an all-star. And he's doing exactly what he has always done. Yeah, exactly. This is this is Cano. So all you want to see is when he comes back. Was it a matter of PDs? No, it wasn't. He came back and he was Robinson Cano or he found something better to take. Whatever it is, I don't care. <laughs> Just put up stats. And now you're going to give them to me at that level of ADP. Sure. Every time. I forgot you were a Mets fan. I was telling Dan Harris on this podcast maybe a couple of weeks ago. That I think the Mets are really good this year. I think they're going to win the NL East, and I think they'll be really so. dangerous in the playoffs if Syndergaard and Degrom are healthy. And I think they're a sleeper to get Bryce Harper. You know, you know, there's a couple teams in there. They've got the yeah, money. I keep saying the Yankees. You I think keep the, saying oh, it. That would be really surprising. I, what would it they? Would. What would they do with all their outfielders? Well, that's that's a thing. I think part of it is moving Stanton to somewhere else. Then uh, there are a lot of teams that I think would like, like to a different team power. or like second base. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, to a different team. I I think. You know, being a New Yorker, well, the here, Cardinals I, would accept him, but apparently, uh, you know, not good enough. Well, I don't know. I, I think that New York has taken. I think that last year he had one point of view, and I think after this year, that you know, the New York crowd is tough, man. It's yeah. not for everybody. And I think that if you told him, "Hey, you're going to go be a star in a great place or whatever it is," or or maybe they said the message, "I really don't want you anymore." That could really change things. I think Harper wants to be a Yankee in the worst way, and they're just trying to find a way to make it work out. And I, it's going to be tricky. It's going to probably be them moving Stanton along with, uh, you know, a prime prospect probably, and maybe Frazier also. But I, I still think there's a reason why Bryce Harper hasn't signed yet. He's looking for that combination of giant money and the place he wants to be. I wish it would be the Mets. It should be the Mets. They could use the outfielder for God's sakes, and God knows they play in New York. But I'm just telling you, Bobby, it's just just not happening, man. It's just not happening. I'm sorry I was building up your hope. I'm, I'm uh, glad. No, you it's okay. That. I'm I'm a Mets fan. My hopes are already <laughs> crushed. Don't worry. I know exactly where my hopes are. All right. So who do you have at number two here? Uh, I've got number two. I got Miguel Cabrera. One more time for the old man. 165. Why not? First base 165? isn't very good. 165? Oh, yeah. man. He should have been on my list. Wow. 165. And I, I've another guy that I owned a lot of shares of. Because first base is not that good this year. It's just not. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of question mark guys. I'm going to be putting like second baseman at my utility spot this year instead of first baseman. <laughs> well, dude, here's the thing. I know there's a lot of problems with Cabrera. He made in the black book this year is the second year in a row he's in the red flag list. But I, I'm telling you, I, I put him in the red flag list with the caveat of it's still not a great year for first base. And if you're going to be wrong, be wrong on one of the great hitters of your generation. Yeah. He who who just so personal... happened to bat 300 last year with an 843 OPS. Right. And people say, well, we had three home runs. Well, he only played X number of games. I mean, if there was one month where he hit 12 home runs. Yeah. I mean, didn't then... Anthony Rizzo bat like 160 in the first 38 games? I think you're right. I think it was something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's what I don't. And But remember last year, he qualified at second base. So everybody was stepping over each other you're in right. Yahoo leagues to own him. <laughs> 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 Forgot about that, man. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I had him in like my top five overall rankings for, for Yahoo leagues. Well, why, why would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you're going to be wrong, be wrong on one of the great hitters of your generation. And then you can at least sleep at night and say, well, I took a shot. But looking at, at, at there in 165. It's right after Carlos Santana. And if you want to take Santana because he's, you know, he's he's safer, that's fine. But you talk about trying to find batting average late. Is there a better guy than Miguel Cabrera? You're talking yeah. about uh, a guy potentially OBP leagues too, who's a monster. And he's going in the same grouping uh, as guys like Jonathan Scope, Eduardo Escobar. What? And <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Yoan Moncada, who God bless him, has raw talent, but he hasn't put it together Yeah, he's going to bat 230, 240. Give me Miguel Cabrera. I'll I'll die on the hill with the old man. I've got I'm a trivia question for you, Joe. All right. No let's cheating. Do it. No cheat, I promise. All right. When is the last time that Miguel Cabrera played a full season and didn't receive an MVP vote? Oh, that's a great Wow. Uh full season I didn't let's see. The last three years have been rough, so I gotta go back. 2014? It has never happened. Even when he was oh, 20 never. years old and played 87 games, wow. he still got an MVP vote. I thought there might have been like one year where he was old and he wasn't like nobody cared anymore. No, <laughs> like man. They're just done with him. Just wow. Incredible. That's, you know, and that's the thing. And 
He showed you a, sh- a small spurt last year of of being Miguel Cabrera. Don't worry about the home run total. That's a fluky thing. Just ask Christian Yelich in his 22 home runs last year Yeah, in, in two months. It's a fluky thing sometimes. But I don't know, man. I'm going to go take that old guy and, and give one more shot as my as my corner guy, Miguel Cabrera, 100%, man. I love the Miguel Cabrera call. Yeah, I'm going to get him in so many leagues now. Oh, yeah. He might only play like 60 games. I don't know. But, you know, you always hear – hey, this guy's in, a, in the best shape of his life. And you're just kind of like, oh, well, we hear that all the time and they don't really produce. I saw a picture of Miguel Cabrera, though, and he really did look like best shape I've seen since maybe, I don't know, 2013, 2014. He looks oh, great. So he still he wants to play his way off this team. He yeah, better. he's 35 <laughs> years old right now. That's younger than someone like Nelson Cruz, Edwin Encarnacion. Don't forget David Ortiz. David Ortiz yeah. had massive DH seasons when he didn't have to play any field at all. You know, Miguel Cabrera is going to be in that DH kind of realm basically, I think, this year. so That's a great call, man. Yeah, I'm going to get him in every single league except probably the one I'm in with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know we're in one yet, but we'll find a way. All right, this is another name like Ender Inciarte that I never would have thought would have made his way on my list. And then I realized what his ADP was, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll draft him. Ryan Braun is going 197, Joe? Wow. Mile the mighty have fallen, speaking of PEDs. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And a lot of people don't want to draft him because of that whole thing and whatever. But, uh, you know, he also isn't very durable. He plays 104, 125, 135 games the past three years. But in that time, 30 homers and 16 steals, 305 batting average, 17 and 12, 268 batting average, 20 and 11. I mean, he gets it done while he's on the field. And if we get a full season of Ryan Braun, what are we looking at? 30, 35 homers, 20 steals, 280 batting average? Well, Ryan Braun is the is the case that I would make for HGH and other things where got certain guys, you know, baseball is tough, man. And and keeping guys on the field at this level that baseball is being played at, this is not baseball from the 80s anymore. You know, this is a very high speed, strong power, fast game. And it's it's very different than it was in some other eras in baseball. You're getting some spectacular athletes. So for these guys to keep up, especially as they get older. You know, I don't, I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I was joking, but not really joking. I I don't mind guys doing everything they can to stay on the field as long as they're at peace with it. I'm at peace with it. I don't care. If somebody told me that I could have gone and and kept playing, I would have gone and kept playing. But you know, it doesn't make you good at baseball. It just helps guys like Ryan Braun stay on the field and and be Ryan Braun more often than not. Have you guys seen Barry Bond stats before he went on roids? He was a Hall of Famer before oh, he tremendous. went on roids. He was tremendous. It makes it makes fringe players, major leaguers. It makes major leaguers who are very good into all-stars. It makes all-stars great, and it makes great players legends. That's it. Everybody goes up a tier. Big deal. So who do you have here at uh, at number one? All right, here we go. You ready? This goes back to the first base stinks argument I was making earlier. Is Joey Votto. I'm not ready to get rid of Joey Votto. I'm not ready to do it. He's at 58. He's an on-base machine. I understand he's getting into his mid to late 30s right now, and I get that. This was a guy who was hitting 29 bombs, driving 100 runs every year, and then all of a sudden he has one year where everything, I get it. It was ugly last year. He looked confused. He looked, you know, more unhappy than Joey Votto usually looks. Usually, Joey Votto looks unhappy even in good seasons, but last year he looked lost, and that's fine. I'm going to take that. I'm going to crumple up 2018. I'm going to throw it in the trash, and I'm going to look at the rest of the body of work of Joey Votto, which is pretty damn good. And at 58, I'll be happy to take him. He's going in the same realm as guys like Gene Segura, who I understand steals bases. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, I still feel like you're talking about a guy who could be, basically, he was what? A, a early second round player last couple of years, right? And now you're giving him to be a 58? Yes, please. 100%. I actually like Segura. But again, we don't disagree. I love the call. Absolutely. All right, I was going to share Blake Snell, but since I talked about it extensively on yesterday's show, I actually have a new guy that I am even more excited about than Blake Snell, Shoei Otani. It sounds like he might be ready for opening day if he's not, probably not too far behind. But his hitting stats last year were just phenomenal in just 326 at-bats, 22 homers, 10 stolen bases, 285 batting average, and he was focused on pitching most of the time as well. I mean, this is somebody, again, it's kind of hard to just say, hey, if you take this to 162 games, this is what he would have done because we haven't seen it before. Who knows how he would have done at, you know, 500, 600 at bats. But this, this, these are just the raw numbers. 34 homers, 94 RBIs, 16 steals, 92 runs, 285 batting average. That's a second round talent. And I'm not saying he's going to be that, but I think it's fair to say that's probably his upside, right? Yeah, probably is. And 
when I did scouting on Otani last year, my big takeaway is I thought he was a guy that hit a lot of mistakes in Japan when I looked at him. And and there's no, that's not a knock on him, but to me, he was a guy, he was a mistake hitter. You made a mistake to him, he made you pay for it. And I was skeptical how he would hit major league pitching. But then last year, and even into this year, when you consider he's going in the AL West most of his games, outside of the Astros, that A's rotation, it's not very good. Mike Fires is the top of the A's rotation, okay? <laughs> Need I say more than that? You got the Mariners rotation, which is absolutely ugly. And then you've got the Angels or you know, that he plays on. So you take them out of the equation. You got the Rangers left. And the Rangers are another awful rotation. The Rangers rotation, I made this joke on Blackbook the other day. Doesn't the Rangers rotation look like the sleeper breakout pitcher list of 2009? I saw that. It's right? like it's like a list of guys like, wait, all these guys are still in the league? It's Lance <laughs> Lynn. If I gave you that 10 years ago, this list of names in the keeper league, you'd be like, oh my God, my pitching staff's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. <laughs> nope, not so much. But, but there you go. So Otani, most of the time, is going to be facing some subpar guys with the exception of the Astros. So I, I don't think this is crazy. It, it's all about playing time. You know, for me, it's, it's all about whether or not he's going to be ready. How ready is he going to be? We've seen some guys have this injury. I think Miguel Sano had it. I'm trying to remember another guy who had Tommy John who was a hitter. There's a couple other guys recently. Uh, the names off the top of my head uh, elude me, but... You know, it's it's something guys can recover from. It's not, as a hitter, it's it's less of a big deal. And I wonder if he's not worried about pitching, if that's a if that just kind of relaxes him a little bit. You know, it's it was very good last year. He was good longer than I thought he was going to be. So I can't argue with this one at all. And if he's going to play opening day, then forget it. Then it's a steal. He's a better pitcher than he is hitter. But listen to this. I wrote about this last year before uh, before he came over because I was super excited about him. I think he's one of the best dynasty pieces you can get, especially if you are in one of those leagues where you can use him as a hitter when he's not pitching and a pitcher when he is pitching and it's just one player. But you remember when Hideki Matsui came over and he oh, was yeah? immediately he was immediately an MVP candidate. He was just a monster. Well, he came over as a 28-year-old, right? Shoei Otani, in a better era for Japanese pitchers, was a better hitter in Japan as a 21-year-old. Than Matsui was. Yeah, wow. than Matsui was when he, right before he came over and was an MVP candidate. And you got to imagine the level of pitching is better now in Japan than it was then. They've got all kinds of guys who would be, you know, number one, number two, number three pitchers in Japan. And uh, I think a lot of them, two or three of them are going to come over next offseason and a few more the offseason after that. There's about to be an infusion of of guys from the uh, the Japanese league that are just, uh, we're going to get four or five of their best players next offseason. I hope that the trend of these guys struggling to to make it in the rotations changes because you see them struggle with that with adapting to the every fifth day thing we've seen it happen a lot and it's frustrating so i i don't know if i mean japanese baseball isn't going to change but i I just wonder if we're ever going to see those guys long term succeed because it seems like it's gotten worse over the years not better yeah i think you're right you know what would fix that is expansion let's get to 32 teams all right because you look at those rotations in texas and (laughs) seattle and oakland and you want to expand look at those rotations (laughs) Mike Fires number one. My God, Martin Perez is going to be leading that expansion rotation pretty much. <laughs> you know, Jesus Luzardo is, I think, is going to end up being oh, the I ace love that guy. and oh. AJ Puck. The A's, if they get into the playoffs, are going to have they're going to have uh, they're going to be a nightmare for some teams. If those guys come along as they should, yeah. Luzardo especially. Luzardo is one of these guys that I'm. I think is when you look at drafting young players, I always look at not just talent but opportunity. Opportunity is there. So he's just got to perform well for a couple weeks in that rotation. And I would think by midseason, he comes up there mm-hmm. and he's been dominant. He's been absolutely terrific at every stop. So, uh, and Puck's another one where you just, you know, it's all about health. It's all about how many innings they're going to have to contribute this year, because unfortunately that's where we are in major league baseball. But Lazardo to me is one of these guys you can draft and stash and he's worth waiting on your bench for, even though it's a dead spot for a couple months. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe it won't be because they don't really have any, you mentioned sure, the rotation. They don't have any competition. They're ready it's to bad, win now. Dude. So if they it's want bad. to compete, why not bring up your best pitcher right now, even if he's not quite ready? Yeah, it's uh, some of the back ends of some of these rotations, Kansas City, San Diego. I mean, expansion. Ugh. We're going to have to go shorten the schedule then. We're going to have to do something, man. All right, Joe, let's move on over to spring training. We'll go a little bit faster at this point, but we're just going to break down you know, three, four things that we are going to be keeping an eye on in spring training. And I'll start us off. I heard John Moselak talking about Alex Reyes yesterday, and it got me really excited because 
they are super excited about getting him in their rotation. It's just a matter of when it happens. You know, he's coming back from the shoulder shoulder injury, and uh, they want to take it easy on him. He said, you know, maximum he's probably going to pitch 120 innings because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be too aggressive with that. But those are going to be 120 really good innings. What I want to watch is his velocity. And if they're stretching him out to, you know, 30 pitches right away, or if he's just kind of sitting there in the 15 range. Because if he is, I don't want to draft him. If he's getting stretched out, he's going to be in the rotation right away, and he's going to be right in that Rich Hill territory for me where, um, you know, I want him at the end of my roster. There's ways to manage that, too. You know, skip him here and there, skip him in April, skip him at the All-Star break. So there's clever ways you can manage him even probably up to 150 if you're really if he was really pitching well. You're right. And, and they can find a way to do it. And this Carlos Martinez injury right now certainly opens the door for that possibility. And, and I'm of the mind, too. If Martinez is just having problems as a starting pitcher, make him the closer. He was good last year in the bullpen. You can manage him better and only know he's going to pitch these three outs in this one inning and he's not going to get up and down a million times. You don't have to worry about him trying to go five, six innings. To me, it just makes sense at this point if... If he keeps having trouble with that shoulder, make him the closer. And I don't know if he'd be I, any better than Jordan Hicks or Andrew Miller, but um, I think he would be. I, you I think mean, so? what's I think I think he would be by default because giving a guy a clean inning is always easier, yeah. As opposed to asking somebody like Andrew Miller, who's used to going in there with guys on base and getting out of it. Those are stressed. Uh, you know the difference between you, you know this well the the difference between innings and stress innings, right? Andrew Miller's a guy I think can handle stress innings. I don't think Carlos Martinez can. So give the guy the non-stress innings of the clean slate with a three-run lead in a good spot, and I think he could excel in that role and be very good, and you probably get the best out of him. And then you can manage him and say, oh, you pitched back-to-back days, he's not available today. As a Cardinals fan, I just really don't want to waste him. I would rather have 140, 150 innings of, of our best pitcher. I think he's better than Mykolas. I think he's better than Flaherty than uh, 60 innings out of the bullpen. But you know, if his, if he's not going to do a shoulder exercises or whatever it is, the reason that he's hurt. Well, apparently they said what he was, he was bulking up instead of doing uh, that's what it was, yeah. stuff. They're saying he was just lifting weights and stuff. Well, you know, by the way, is Adam Wainwright, did, did have they, does he know that he's retired? Did anyone tell him? I don't know, man. He wasn't so bad last year. <laughs> I feel like Adam Wainwright, you know, I was, there's another joke we made the other day on, uh, on my show. I said, it's like a, it's like an office space. Where you know the, the he, he keeps coming to work every day. <laughs> he's on <looking> paychecks. <laughs> and everyone keeps looking around, and Adam Wainwright's just like, "Where's my stapler?" I just feel like that's uh, that's where he's going to be. He's just still there. <laughs> did you know Adam Wainwright, Adam Wainwright had his best strikeout rate of his career last year? No way. Yes, he did. What K per nine? Yeah. Oh my god, that's staggering. and not not even all really right. close either. Now, all right, I won't make fun of him anymore. <laughs> It'll now, help you, you also you love Adam Wainwright to know that uh, he's battling for the labor stuff and. He loves fantasy football. Oh, he does. Absolutely. I, I, He's a big fantasy guy. I remember he called the station, too, when I was working there and was annoyed at where his ADP was. <laughs> you know? And I love that. I, mean, I think he's a great dude. I think he'd be fun to have on. And yeah, stuff. he's I, a lot of fun. As a pitcher back in the day, absolutely loved him. But uh, uh, I've, got, sure. I've got one. Where's a spring training guy for you? I want to see Byron Buxton hit in spring training. Okay. Spring training doesn't mean much. But for some guys, it does. It means something. And I think it's important for Byron Buxton to have a good spring, to hit the ball, to show everybody that I don't care about your 25 pounds of muscle. I really don't care because you could be 20. You could look really good, in a, you know, with your shirt off. Wait, did he and gain 25 pounds of muscle? Because that concerns that's me That's what they said, 20, 22. Well, that's what I said. Great. So now he's going to be slow and strike out. <laughs> so that's, that, was exactly, that was my immediate Twitter reaction was great. <laughs> like I saw that yeah. news and that was it. But, you know the guy has talent. I, I always said this and I, I got into a, I don't want to say argument, but a heated discussion once with Jonathan Mayo about uh, him and Chris Bryant and Carlos Correa, where they had bucks in ahead of them on the list. And I said, I don't get it. This guy's a better athlete than a baseball player. And you guys are just falling in love with the tools. And I think he's a, he's a long way off. And all these injuries he had in his developmental phases really stunted his growth, I think as a hitter. And it's tough to learn on the major league level. And, I think Byron Buxton needs to have a good spring. If he does, that's another one of these ADP guys where you throw a dart on him, you could end up with a very good player. If he just could hit 250 with decent power, and we all know the stolen bases potential is there no matter what, even if he is heavier, it's fine. He's the fastest player in baseball, yeah. 
I, I think I think that's another one of these guys. You take that one more flyer because it costs you so little this year compared to other years. Man, I got absolutely blasted for having Byron Buxton as like my number six prospect because he was number one for everybody. But it's just these toolsy me. guys. How many book, times years ago. have nope. we seen them fail? It's almost it's always putting tools over baseball acumen. I always feel like to be crazy when I watched Carlos Correa play the first time. Uh, uh, you know when he was drafted, I, I was like, "Wow, uh, baseball shouldn't be that easy." I just saw it right away. When I watched Bucks and I went, that's a great athlete who's decided to play baseball. Kind of like this. You you might remember this guy. Remember Eric Davis? Yeah. From Reds? Okay. He reminds me of Eric Davis. If he can that's do what, what Eric I... Davis did in fantasy, Eric Davis was the great, had the greatest fantasy year, season he? of all time. <laughs> right. But, but that was Eric Davis, right? Eric Davis, I want to say played football and he played basketball and he played baseball. He's a great athlete. And he just, and he's a heck of a nice guy. I met him in Philadelphia once. But to me, that's what Byron Buxton is. He's a great athlete, and if he can just get some of those little nuances about pitch selection down, good things could happen. But that's his ceiling. His ceiling is Eric Davis. Holy cow, man. I'm looking at his years, 86 to 87, in fantasy oh, baseball. If you uh, you know, if you know, average those out to 162 games, because he didn't play the full season in either of them, but this is how good he was. 40 homers. 81 stolen bases. He batted yeah. 286 with 135 runs and 107 RBIs. People forget about him. That is the and greatest. And he played on the same high school team as Daryl Strawberry. Oh, wow. They were high school buddies. They they went to high school together. They were drafted together. And could you imagine being a high school pitcher in California, in Southern California, trying to, <laughs> trying to face those two guys? What I'm looking at, at he was 6'2", 165 pounds. How skinny was this guy? Oh, he he was a raw athlete. Eric Davis was a raw oh, athlete, but man. you know, he had a couple monstrous seasons there where he drove in a hundred runs, had some 30 home run seasons, but we're talking a guy who could steal, you know, 80 bags. He, one year he stole 80 bases, you know what I mean? And and yeah. I'm not saying he's going to, Byron Buxton's ever going to do that, but if he can be the version of Eric Davis that's, you know, hits 25 home runs, drives in 85, 90 runs, That'd be fun. steals 35 bags, that's a great player. Yep. All right. Here's my next guy. Same kind of thing as Buxton. It's just, he's got overwhelming Raw power. Well, that's not the same as Buxton. Overwhelming raw tools. But this guy is all power. It's Fran Mel Reyes. And I don't know if there's a spot for him. Because you've got all these guys. Franchi Cordero, Hunter Renfro, Will Myers is moving out to the outfield, Manuel Margot. And then you've got Fran Mel Reyes, who's the best of all of them. Yet, I don't know if he's going to play. If he does, now that San Diego's moved in their fences and right-handed hitters don't really have much trouble there... Um, hidden out of the park. It's like just a neutral park now. It's not, you know, a kill. That's why everyone overreacting to Machado going there, I think is laughable. Right? Yeah, I'm still drafting him in the top 10. I have no problem yeah, with it. But his value has not changed at zero at all. If Fran Reyes plays really well, I think they'll put him in the in the lineup. If he doesn't, I think he's only going to play against lefties. And he'll be amazing. I'll use him every single time he gets a lefty in DFS, but he's not very valuable in fantasy. So I want to watch to see how he's playing. And if he plays well, I want him in every team. And if he doesn't, I'm never going to draft him. I agree 100% that I think he's the best talent of that group, too. I, I, I love him. I think he's terrific. Um, but you're right. DFS option right now. If he has a great spring, maybe he forces their hand into more. We shall see. Did you see his minor league numbers last year? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I'm I'm all in with you. Oh, I, just I agree. insane. Many batted 324 with a 1042 OPS. He's got some of the best raw power in the major leagues already. He's 6'5", 275. I just want him to get playing time. But you got to take PCL with a grain of salt always. True. But still, the double A numbers for power were still, I mean, when you're driving in 102 runs in double A in 135 games, that makes me stand up and take notice. Yeah, for real. You know, that's the kind of stuff Jesus Aguilar was doing and he couldn't find a way into the lineup yeah. every day in Cleveland. And then eventually he goes to Milwaukee and he finds a way into the lineup every day and he starts driving in 100 runs. You know, it's a skill to hit with men on base. Absolutely. Skill to drive in runs. That's forgotten. Um, the next guy that I think is important to watch is Dansby Swanson in Atlanta. Really? Because I do, be, if for not necessarily Dansby Swanson. Oh, okay. <laughs> but if, if he has another struggle, again, where he just looks dreadful, it would not shock me if they found another way to replace him at shortstop, whether it's in-house with Camargo or somebody else, potentially, in, in a deal. Atlanta's all in right now. And I don't think they're going to wait for Dansby Swanson to come around anymore. I think they've had the experiment. I think I think he needs a good spring, and if he has a good spring, I think he'll have the job. And if not, I think that opens the door. In, if you're playing in a deeper league, a Yohan Camacho share, I don't think is a bad yeah. idea because he has flexibility. He swung the bat pretty well last year, 
and he could force a hand where he ends up becoming the everyday shortstop at some point for them. What if they or move second Albies base and they move to Albies over? Because he was right? a shortstop we just the prospect. Yeah, we were just saying the same thing. Oh wow, uh, or, or just move them. Over. I literally was saying at the same time as you. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you have options. You have options. Albies might even be better off at his old position and. I just think the waiting period for Swanson is, this is it. This is ground zero for that. It's over. Camarjo, speaking of uh, Framo Reyes being great against lefties, Camarjo is a beast against lefties. Beast. Beast. And and look, they're, an, they're a batting order that they can sustain failure or a mediocre kind of play if they had to. But I don't think they have the tolerance for it anymore. They are in. They are ready to go. This this team is that you don't throw twenty million for a one year deal at Josh Donaldson if you're not serious about winning this year. And they're not waiting. The, yeah. the train's going to leave the station with or without Dansby Swanson on it. Wow, I did not realize how good Camargo was last year. He had an eight oh six OPS. And you, if you are in a league of fifteen or more teams, he is the perfect kind of guy to add to your bench. A little bit of flexibility can hit the ball and could work his way into playing time. I'm just putting him out there. TGFBI, man, I'm going to get him. Yeah, that's a deep Sunday, baby. Yeah. That's a uh, an expert league. It's the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and it's a 15-team Roto League, um, so the, the rosters are really deep. He's the perfect guy. You're right. Yeah, I love him. Who's next on your list? All right, I'm really interested to see how Nick Senzel works out in center Oh, field. he was next on All my right, list. You go ahead, go. You go ahead and take it. it. You're the guest. No, no, I want to hear you. I just talked to you. So, much. you ahead. know, your Nick turn. Senzel's just really good. You look at what he did in the minor leagues the past two years. There's a reason he was a top five prospect. Yeah, he dealt with uh, some really weird injuries. But when he's on the field, he's absolutely amazing. He's a 320 hitter. He's going to help you in home runs. He's going to help you in stolen base. He's going to help you in RBI. He's going to help you in runs. He's a true five-category talent, and he's going to qualify at second, third, maybe short. And now they're talking about putting him at center field. If he's ready in the field, he's going to make the opening day roster in that great offense. I think that Nick Senzel could be a beast this year. I think if he makes the opening day roster, I'll say he's my favorite to win NL Rookie of the Year. All right. I have an agreement with you. He's on my list. I think it's very important to see how he does. I'll just... For S's and G's, take the other side of it. Sometimes when guys switch, and this is just for everybody else for their, you know, for their good information. Sometimes when guys are learning a new position, even if they're a great athlete, it's not easy to do. And sometimes they then take those struggles into their at-bats with them. And that can be a very tricky thing. They have Winker. They have Kemp. They have Puig. They have Shebler. They have all these guys. So it's not necessary or I don't think the Reds feel the pressure to have to have Senzel break camp as the starting center fielder. They might want that in a perfect world, but I don't know. I don't think they feel the pressure. And I feel like at the end of the day, there's a chance where once again, we throw Matt Kemp away in a side. And once again, Matt Kemp all of a sudden has another really productive season that nobody expected. Cause I feel like that's basically been the latter half of Matt Kemp's career when he was good. Everybody wanted him and wanted to overpay for him. And he was, maybe not always as good as he could have been. And then the minute, like he went to San Diego, nobody wanted him and he kept driving in a hundred runs and he goes to Atlanta and nobody wants him. And then he goes to back to LA and nobody wanted him last year. And he was productive. I mean, at a certain point, when do we all look up and go, Hey, maybe Matt Kemp is good at baseball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like maybe. And, and that's my only fear is having Kemp's presence there. I don't think there's that force for Cincinnati. So that's why it's important to watch because I wonder if he struggles in the outfield, they go, ah, you know what? No pressure. We'll just send him down, and we'll figure it out center field as it goes. So maybe they put Puig over at center and uh, and Winker in right then if Senzel doesn't play there? I think you could. I mean, Puig's a good enough athlete still. I'm looking at this lineup. Wouldn't it have just been so nice if they could have traded Senzel and a pitching prospect for JT Real Muto? They've got Real Muto, Vado, Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez, Peraza, Kemp, Winker, I think they're Puig. holding on to Senzel for a pitcher. Okay. I think I, if you're moving Senzel, you want to get in something else, maybe get a Kluber or something like that. Yeah. And then, and then you're really, then you're for reals. Then, then you're really making that next step. And then the step. Cubs could actually quit, finish man. in fifth place in the National League. Did you see that? <laughs> that that projection system had them fifth? Uh, and Fangraphs just came out with their projections. They had the Cubs with a sub-500 record, too. Does anybody ever hold their own projections accountable? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. This is my problem with the projection Do you think that the Cubs like, are, like, the favorite in the National League You know Central? what they should do? Every year when they publish these damn things, they should publish last year's along with it. Here's I like what we that. got right. Here's what we got wrong. But nobody does that. Nobody ever. It's like the weatherman. 
You want a job that nobody ever cares if you're right or wrong? Go be a projectionist in fantasy sports. Well, you know that, that drives in, me at crazy. Fantasy Bros, we keep the we have the accuracy competition, and we say these guys' rankings were great, these guys not so much, and we do that right. every single year to hold people accountable. Well, and, and when it comes we should to do rankings, that with projections too. That'd be awesome. I, I well, that's why in in the black book, the relative position value system. It takes projections into account, but it takes previous season stats, projections, and then three-year averages when applicable or minor league stats when needed. And what it does is it creates this these tiers where you understand what the fantasy league average at second base in a 12-team mixed league is. And instead of just ranking guys blindly based on good informed opinion, which is great, it actually quantifies how much better is Jose Altuve than the number two guy. It gives you a percentage and it keeps going and going and going. And then... You know where the negative guys are. So you know, you know what? It's not worth filling this roster spot because there's no advantage. So I'm going to keep finding positive RPV guys and build roster strength. It's one of the biggest mistakes people make in fantasy and drafts. Instead of trying to build roster strength, they try to fill out their team or their roster. And that's not how you do it. I agree, man. 100%. I want to bring this up, by the way. Last three years, Matt Kemp. Per 162 games, he's not going to play 162, (laughs) but it's just an easy way to round it out so you can understand what you're hearing. 30 homers per 162 games, 100 RBIs, uh, batting 277. That's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good player. And what's his ADP right now? If we go, if we go look at Matt Kent. 10,000? I don't know. Take a guess. I'll tell you what it is. You take a a wild guess. Higher. No way. It's worse than 220. I'm looking right now. Sorry, I accidentally looked while we were playing this game. 264 is the number. That's stupid. 264. It is stupid. That's why I owe Matt Kemp in labor. Holy Because I cow, looked at it and I man. said, at this point, why not? There's so many values to get in the 27th all old round. guys. Like, I'm going to fill out my, yeah. my uh, 2010 All-Star team with Miguel Cabrera, Ryan Braun, Matt Kemp. He's going around guys who don't even have a team. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Holy it's cow. insane. It's crazy, man. I, I got another one for you, position guy. This whole Mike Mustaka second base thing. I am not buying this for a second. <laughs> This I want to see Mike Moustakas's big ass try to turn a double play. That's what I want to say. And I love nobody loves Moose more than me. I am a giant Moose fan. I think he's great. I think it's a tragedy that some team hasn't given him a three or four year contract last two years of free agency. Yeah. But this notion that he's going to play second base, Travis Shaw is going to play second base. Everybody, there's going to be like two weeks where he tries, and then they pull Travis Shaw in, and they say, Travis, listen. I understand you like to play third base and first base, but you're gonna have to play second base because Mike Mustakas can't, you know, or he'll find himself. Didn't on another they talk team. about putting Ryan Braun there once at second base? I don't know, but you know what? If Shaw doesn't want to do it, Shaw's gonna find himself on another team, and then Keston Hero is gonna play. Yeah, one of the two things are gonna happen. I don't know. Shaw's really good. Maybe they just trade. He's Moose. very good. He's very good. But there's another team that needs pitch. Yep. Yep. I don't know about that. I hope. I hope Nelson's good. You know what? I think you're right. They don't really have that high-end talent, but they've got quite a bit of depth. We're talking about Freddie Peralta might miss out, and that's my last guy. Freddie Peralta might miss out on this rotation uh, because you've got Woodruff. You've got Jimmy Nelson, Zach Davies, Chase Anderson. You've got Corbin Burns as well. Shasin. Shasin, yeah. And, uh, and Freddie Peralta was extremely good last year when he got the innings. I want to see how well he's pitching because I think this is the kind of situation if he beats out those kids, Woodruff and Burns, he's going to find his way in the rotation. And if he does, I want him for sure. I'll tell you one or two good Jimmy Nelson outings in spring training is going to rocket his ADP. Yeah. And I've got all the Jimmy Nelson shares already. Paul Spore is already mad at me in every league I'm in with him. <laughs> he's he's already annoyed. He texted me as soon as I as soon as I picked him in labor. He messaged you, you son of a. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hey, it's uh, taking a shot on guys like that at those ADPs. That's what you do. That's because it's bonus. You're trying to take guys with all the like taking Steven Strasburg where you had to take him, I think is just death. But taking a guy like Jimmy Nelson where he's going is just bonus. Yep. That's all. Yep, 100% agree. Man, we we hardly disagreed at all. Like, I had to nitpick on uh, on who was it, Luis Castillo. And uh, and yeah. I like him quite a bit. And I too. gave you a little Rich Hill business. That's, That's what I right. Did. I forgot about that, though. Just selective memory. That's all right. But you know what? It, even when we agreed, though, it's good to look at the other perspective of a guy like Senzel. We agree on him. We love the talent. But we also have to keep in mind, well, what's the, what's the you know, put our fantasy cap off and put our, you know, Major League Baseball GM cap on and realize there's just no pressure. There's no incentive for them to push him if it's just not working out as well as hoped. All right, Joe. Well, that is all for today's show. As always, it was a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to come on and looking forward to talking to you again. 
Absolutely, man. Always uh, happy to come on and talk baseball with you anytime, man. And I uh, appreciate you having me on. All right, Joe, before we leave, can you tell our guests where they can get your book? Absolutely. You can go on Amazon and you can get the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2019. Over there, you can get the paperback version or for Kindle. You can also get it on iTunes. And if you're on Amazon, you get the paperback. It's not on that crappy magazine paper. It's on that good paper you can write on and highlight stuff and make notes and really use it like a tool. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's a great product there. It's got me, Paul Spore, Jake Seeley, Nate Dockin. Eric Cross has 100 prospect profiles, not a list, but profiles with ETAs. So if you're a dynasty player, it's amazing. Eric Tim, Cross is the man. He is, he? man. And, uh, and well, nobody knows about it. That that bothers me. Like, yeah, I saw the Eric Cross had like 2000 followers oh, on crazy. Twitter. He's, Are you kidding me? He's so knowledgeable. And we just did a black book uh, special with him and Welsh and Welsh hosts a uh, um, a prospect show called Prospect One over on in this league, uh, and there were my co-hosts over on Black Book, him and uh, Bogman, and uh, the crosses stuff in there. It's those hundred prospects, guys, man. man. Let me tell you that you know Tim Heaney, last year's Tout Wars winner. Uh, it's just it, it's a great group of dudes, and you get RPV, you get all that insight, and it's a it's a guide for the whole year. It's not a draft guide. It's a season long guide, and it, that's what it's there for. And uh, very happy and very uh, grateful to all the folks who have given it a shot. Hey, by the way, if you guys want to follow Eric, he's up to 4,000 now. People are starting to pick yeah, up how baby. good his work is. It's at Eric Cross 4 We're doing stuff over there between Black Book and Fantrax. We're pushing Eric's, uh, Eric's uh, stock way up there, man. There you go, man. All right, guys, and we've got two more shows next week, so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on those. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your baseball. 